Los Angeles, hello. JT and Looney podcast episode 67. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Great, great, great background. Yeah, I took that picture and Julie superimposed it. She was playing on Zoom today. Oh my God. You know, and I just had to get a new Mac. My Mac died last Friday. Ooh, how much did that cost? Uh, I think 1200 I know. Like a transmission in a car. I cracked my down. header. <laughs> you know, my son's got a truck. We passed it down from one to the other. Right. I have no idea, zero idea when the oil was changed. So we bought this truck a while ago, and they're both driving it. One goes off to college. The high school kid gets it. I was telling the wife the other day, we got to change the oil. And she's like, well, when did it? I, go, I don't care. Do it now because if, <laughs> if the transmission falls out in it and the engine explodes, I'm going to have to spend $5,000 and you had to do it in a small way on a Mac. My brother handed me down his Opal uh, when, when I was, uh, it was back in the 80s. And uh, after one summer ended and the car was making all these noises. So I went away to college and my mother said, you know what that noise was in Eddie's car? And I said, what? She said, you didn't put oil in that car <laughs> ever. Apparently the car had zero oil in it. Incredible. Do so, you mind doing if you can, because only you are, you're one of the great voiceover guys of our time. Do you mind doing our voiceover here for our sponsor? Because I'm going to get a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon oh, for okay. our podcast here. And it might take me about 20, 30 seconds and I'll jump right back in. I, I love that. Oh, ah, you smell that? <laughs> yeah, that's the smell of the Super Bowl. Well, this is L.A. It's also the smell of smog and pot. But anyway, it's here. And all the action is at betonline.ag. I checked the odds at all the great casinos in Vegas, the Stardust, the Tally Ho, the Aladdin, the Silver Slipper. All of them have the Chiefs as three-point favorites. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first team in history to play for the title in their home field. Kansas City Chiefs looking for back-to-back, belly-to-belly titles for the first time in almost two decades. Bet Online has hundreds of props on the game, including MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem, which I will stand at home, JT, just like you will for that national anthem. Bet Online, always available online on your mobile device or at betonline.ag. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of the Super Bowl and the anthem, I was thinking about us and all our years together on Radio Row. And how many radio shows we did. And on Facebook, again, we always talk about Facebook is really good for my stock portfolio. Plus, yes. pictures of your niece yes. at Holy Communion or right. ice cream. But it became a place where people just rant and get unhinged about right. politics. And you have to mute your friends. <laughs> you have to mute your friends. But uh, well, you know what Facebook is great at? Two things. It reminds me every day whose birthday it is. Yes, I have no birthday. idea whose birthday it is if it wasn't for Facebook. And number two, our memories. Mm-hmm. So I woke up and I saw you and I interviewing Joe Montana. Oh, and, God, that's great. And, and Tim Tebow and all these things flooded us over all the years. And now today and this week, I've been doing virtual radio row on Zoom, interviewing some of the celebrities. Oh my God, wait, wait, this text you sent me today. Let me, first of all, interrupt you, which I, damn, I never do. And I'm sorry, but let me take a look at this. Uh, this list you had of guests today, of you had Kyle Turley, you had Carl Weathers from the Rocky movies, 
Jared Allen, Hall of Fame fire, finalist, our friend Joe Fortenbaugh, who's, who's like, I always say like Red Bull and vodka on the radio. He's great. Terry Bradshaw, oh, nothing. Hall of Fame quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All those great memories from when we were kids. That's your day today. Yeah, and it started early, and I've always been proud about how when we worked Radio Row together, if I wasn't there with you, because I was always working nights, then I would get up in snowstorms or at the crack of dawn, and I found this theory that I don't think anyone's done other than me and a guy named Nasty Nestor in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we would get there when the sun came up, and we wouldn't leave all day because we had to be in the fight to get guests on. So we had to get the guy at 9.05 and 10.05 right. because then their rep for Gatorade or for Fritos would say he's only available from 10.20 to 10.28 and they'd be there. And then my show and our st- show would start at 5 or 7 at night and then we'd have to stay on the air till 11. Right. So it was a crack of dawn till the end of night. No drinking, no partying Monday to Thursday at the Super Bowl. And it really was something that I took pride of. And now this year... It's great, but it sucks doing it virtually, knowing no one's there in Tampa. Well, you've been going oh. forever and having worked for the Raiders. You had 50-yard line seats all these years for decades. It's got to suck not being able to go. It does suck because, again, there's a couple of things that's happening mentally. It's I live out of a calendar, and I'm a creature of habit right. more with my calendar than anything else. What happens? I even told my producer tonight on the radio before we're podcasting, I said, you know, a lot of insecure radio hosts in about a week start saying the same thing. That hundreds of them. What are we going to talk about? Oh, Football's <laughs> over. What are we going to do? Right. And doing this for a long time, I know it goes from there and then something happens and there's breaking news and there's this, that. Well, that. there's the contract. You get to talk for a week about Janice Jackson's boob. And then they got the Daytona 500. And then you got March Madness. The panic is over nothing. Yes, the panic is over nothing, but there's just something about Super Bowl and the fact that we have Mahomes versus Brady. And think of the city of Tampa Bay getting robbed. We got robbed in Vegas. We lost the NFL draft, right? We lost Garth Brooks. We lost Bruno Mars playing in hockey games, right? But every city has that. You're in Los Angeles. The Lakers can hold almost 20,000 a night. The Clippers on an off night have the place sold out. But the Super Bowl, imagine being Tampa, knowing that, all the tailgates, all the insanity is gone. And Tampa's Tampa. I like Tampa a lot. I like Jacksonville. They, they're only, they should only get the Super Bowl once a decade. They used to be two a decade. Right. We didn't have cities like L.A. We always did, but now not, not with a new stadium. Now Vegas with a new stadium, New Orleans redone again. So Tampa, I don't know. I don't think it's going to, it's going to be a long time before they get another Super Bowl and they got robbed. New Orleans always has done a great job hosting this. Even when they had dumps and it was at Tulane Stadium, the NFL loved going back to New Orleans because it's just newsflash, a great place to have a party. And I, I have yeah. a theory behind that, too. I think uh, in New Orleans is a lot of the like the commissioner's wife or the, you know, the vice president, of the NFL's wife and everybody there. They have a great dinner earlier in the night. Right. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Emerald, Emerald Lagasse cooked some dinner at his own right. restaurant. Right. Sold out the parties. The music is unbelievable. And they all go to bed. And then at 2 a.m., uh, women are vomiting on the streets of Bourbon Street after they <laughs> ate a dirty hot dog, <laughs> after they drank three hurricanes. And they were never there at two in the morning to see right, them. Right. And then they wake up in the morning and they open the shades and it's a beautiful day in New Orleans. And they didn't see the sanity, insanity that happened in the middle of the night. The wives and the second wives over the past couple of decades in America have had an incredible influence 
on broadcasting, on advertising, on boycotting, you know, because the second wife, you know, the second wife, much younger, much more liberal with her fake boobs, gets into bed with her conservative husband in his 60s and says, honey, why are you broad? Why are you advertising with Rush? Why are you advertising on Fox News, honey? And that's really been a that's really had an effect on America. That's a dirty little broadcast secret. I just I just raised the curtain there a little bit for you. You know, without mentioning names, because our podcast is right. in a good place right now. We got more advertisers. Yes, right. yes. We want to say this. It's an inside joke for anybody who's listening, because we're going to quiz you on some stuff for some giveaways. I always say me and Looney want to do the podcast until we can sell it for 200 million. Exactly. To Spotify. And then you'll never hear from us again. But, <laughs> you know, when it, one of the things I don't like about the Super Bowl are the corporate wives that go because they don't go to games all year. And then they want to go to the Super Bowl and they want yeah. to get dressed up and they want to get ready. And at the Super Bowl, you'll see a lot of women and men who don't belong because they didn't go to games all year, yeah. but they work for an insurance company or they work for direct TV and they're putting on the concert and they want to go to the Super Bowl. So you got a lot of corporate fans, Tom, at the game who have no interest in the game. They're not a fan of the team, and they're taking up seats from fans who could really go and enjoy the experience. As long as I've known you, and even before I knew you, and I listened to your radio show, but before it had me, uh, you always made fun of the same people who also show up at Super Bowl parties. Because there's always those, many times women, who show up at Super Bowl parties, and a lot of times guys, too, who don't follow sports, but it's you know it's an American party day at night. And so you've got a lot of people at Super Bowl parties and everyone's been there where everyone's screaming and shouting and having a good time. And then you got that one girl saying, is that good? Is that good? I call her Gladys. She brings the bean dip. She doesn't yep. watch football all year, but she gets invited to your Super Bowl party. Mm -hmm. She shows up with some type of plate of food and she talks the whole game and she tries to ruin the game because she knows nothing about it. And before I forget, I wanted to mention the other night in Atlanta, LeBron James played in a game and there was a gorgeous, I mean, gorgeous. And my wife listens to the podcast and I don't care. I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. I watched it live. And when you're okay. on the radio and things happen live, you have commercials and times to reset and do it. So I'm watching the Laker game in Atlanta and LeBron's popping off to someone in the crowd. And I go, I look up, I give it a double take. And then I see the referees, and then I noticed the fans were so close to the court. And I noticed that we're not allowed to do anything. Me right. and you can go to games, right? We can't get dressed up. So right. all of a sudden, this gorgeous blonde stands up, and she is mother effing LeBron. S-bombs. Don't say this to my husband. She had a much older husband, and LeBron mm -hmm. called him old steroid ass because he was all fake tanned and right. ripped and looking like he was, you know, just an older guy who looked fit. Right. And LeBron's making fun of him. So they call her courtside Karen, and courtside Karen ends up getting thrown out, and then she gets on her phone, on her Instagram Live, and she tore LeBron's ass. You mother blank, this, that, everything. You're intimidated by a 25-year-old girl. And then for the next two hours on the show and on social media, courtside Karen was trending. She was dressed like she was going to the Academy Awards. Yep. She was gorgeous. 
while all of us in America are in our boxer shorts and sweatpants, <laughs> not allowed to go out to dinner because indoor dining and outdoor dining's closed, and she looked better than anyone in the world. I couldn't believe it. That was, I mean, that's when you know things are slowing down uh, in America news-wise. Uh, there was uh, when courtside Karen is not only just trending on Twitter, because sometimes those people don't make it into the nightly news, but she was everywhere. And it does raise eyebrows when people say, hey, wait, I'm a fan. I'm a season ticket holder. How come I wasn't there? What there you learn about? What, what you that. learn about LeBron? Because LeBron didn't. He didn't get crazy. Oh. He didn't run towards the crowd. He didn't get in a fight with the husband. But he did call him old steroid ass. <laughs> and she said, she said that LeBron used the B word, called her a bitch, and this and that. That's what she said. And we don't know that. In the well, but remember, the, a lot of the video came up later and it didn't show that. Yeah. And he, I've been saying for years, all the way back, I think the first time I said it, there was a story that Vince Young, remember how I loved Vince Young and I loved his game and thought his career got ruined by where he was drafted and who was coaching him. Uh, I, I he, Somebody said he took off his uniform and he threw it into the stands. And I said, I don't believe it. There's 60,000 people at that game. And everyone's got a phone. Right. Nothing is real anymore unless we can see the videotape and hear the audio tape. And this this was a case where even though she said what she said happened, we had video and audio tape, but it seemed like LeBron didn't say what she said that he said, and that's good for his public relations. Well, this is what's going to fascinate people about that moment. First off, I complimented courtside Karen because she looked great. She yes. Was, it was because of her outfit. She, right. Of course she looked good. She's 25 years old. She's a blonde. She's got all the fake assets going. Right. But she had like a mink coat on and a dress that was glittering. Her makeup was perfect, and she treated it like a 25-year-old girl should. Married to a multimillionaire, sitting courtside, drinking, partying, dressed up. And it took me a second. My wife even said it. She gets to go out and none of us get to go out. I mean, I go take the garbage out. Or I go out with one of my buddies. And I couldn't believe that Atlanta, Tom, had fans so close to the court during a pandemic. But I found out that they were COVID tested. Those seats at mm -hmm. that arena in Atlanta, if you're sitting courtside, you had to be COVID tested at, in advance of the game. And her rich husband had, had a choice. I Do I spend this money? Uh, to slip it in my doctor's pocket for a vaccine or go to see the Lakers play. <laughs> he chose to go to see the Lakers play. A good friend, a friend of mine with a lot of influence in Los Angeles, big muckety muck, I called his doctor and he said, you know, if those vials get down and down really low and you don't want to throw them out and it gets to be five o'clock, give me a call. But his doctor hung up on him. <laughs> How confident do you have to be uh, as a man if your wife's 25 years Ooh. younger than you, if you're pumped up on human growth hormone oh. and admitting it, and you have a fake tan and you bring that 25-year-old wife to the game and you're trash-talking LeBron James. Oh. You're not trash-talking like, you know, Cavus LeVert or a guy on another team or Trey Young. You're going after the king uh, that's confident. And that wife, I, I like courtside Karen, man. She had her A game that night. Well, uh, you, you're talking to a guy who never gets, <laughs> goes out in the sun every day and runs a little weight. So I can't make fun. A real I, I have no room. I know I do have a real tan. I have no room to make fun of that guy who might live where the sun doesn't shine every day. I live where the sun shines every day. And, the, you know, even though as, as men, if a guy dates, you know, when Tony Randall looked in the mirror at 75 and his 25 year old wife, 
Yes, he looked ridiculous to the rest of society, but not to himself. In that mirror, he thought that he, he loved what it looked like <laughs> with his arm around his 25-year-old wife. And so does this guy. I'll tell you this much, big update. Uh, my parents are one step closer to getting the vaccine. Oh, not good. My, it's taken three mom. podcasts now. Yeah, not my mom, my dad, my sister in New Paltz, New York, who you love and you met at my yes. 50th birthday party. She got online from New Paltz, found a way to get my dad the vaccine on the other side of the state. So he's going to have to go from Naples on the coast all the way to the other coast to get his shot. My mom well, was in the portal. And so the level of frustration on the last couple of podcasts where, you know, you want to protect your parents, you want to protect everybody. Right. And we're still at a point where everybody can't get a vaccine. And even there's a gal who rides a soul cycle, soul cycle, who cut the front of the line. And I told you it was happening on this podcast. I told you that we were going to get to the point where celebrities or entitled people are in careful time and they're going to try to cut the line for the vaccine. Yeah, I heard I heard an interview today where someone was talking to uh, about the Super Bowl. It was all new. One of those all news stations. Give us 22 minutes. We'll give you a big fat headaches radio stations that I listen to KNX 1070 Los Angeles. And they were talking to an NFL executive saying, well, the way people look up at pro football players, uh, we need people to make to get this vaccine. Maybe should we give pro football players the vaccine so people can see them getting a vaccine? <laughs> and the NFL guy said, no, <laughs> we can't let millionaire football players in their 20s cut the line. There is a theory, though, out there, JT, the people who are really getting infected and then reinfecting old people and killing them are people in their 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. So there is a theory. Should we just get everybody in their 20s and 30s vaccinated since they're not following any of the rules and they're killing people? It's interesting. I yeah. think clearly the right way to go is to go from oldest to youngest. From it is the right way first yeah. and do it the right way and get it done. You know, if you do want, I suppose I, I, there was an, uh, a guy working for the LA Times that did get an appointment in Alaska. I guess if you go to smaller places with lower populations, it's easier, which makes sense. That it would be easier to get a vaccine in Alaska or New Pulse, New York, than it would in Alaska or in, on Long Island or in Florida. Well, I'm a notorious, and you are too, but I think I'm a little bit better at cutting lines. I have a great yes, at cutting. <laughs> We're both very yep. good. But yes. my, le my, my legend is made at concerts when I go right to the front. Yeah, I got backstage. Uh, I mean, let, let's go over a few of these. I got backstage at the end. I even got videotape of Howie Mandel and I, and they'll show you at some point. I got backstage at the MTV Rockin' New Year's Eve at Radio City Music Hall. And it's, I'm just hanging out with Rob Lowe and Grace Slick and and what was Martha? What's her name? Oh, the, the, remember the VJs? Martha yeah, and Martha and, Quinn. Yes, Martha Quinn and Nina and Alan uh, and Triple J. Uh, yeah, that was one of the great, you know, just, you walk in like you belong. And uh, that was one of the great sneak ins I got. Give me one of yours. Oh, my whole life, I've been going to concerts and going right to the front row. Just wherever yeah. my seat was, making the charge early in the night, trying to get to the front. And most of the time, I've been very fortunate to do it. I mean, from my earliest ages of going to Rush, I've seen Rush 54 times right in the front row where I bought wow. seats anywhere and would find my way uh, to recently. The last concert I've, the last, the two last concerts I saw, I have to say Tool. Why did I see Tool? <laughs> I got a ticket. But right. the concert before that was New Year's Eve, pre-pandemic. My wife got tickets to Lady Gaga. 
Her new oh, wow. Oh, I bet that was great. It's a big show. There's a cool backstory to that as my wife was hammering me all night, showing me on the app how the tickets were getting lower and lower uh-huh. as we were at the hockey game. And I was getting pretty banged up at the hockey game, having a couple of cocktails. And finally, she won me over and I said, go get the tickets. We got the tickets at the Park Theater right next door. And there were decent seats. They were in the lower bowl, mm-hmm. you know, like four rows up. And we just walked in. We got a cocktail. I said, follow me. Went to the far left where there was an escalator and another escalator, and we just walked down and acted like we de- deserved to be there. I walked right to the front of the stage. I tapped the stage. That's my trick. I tapped the stage for good luck. I then turn around. The place is packed. Two empty seats, a few rows back, and I sit in them. Oh, that's No one great. ever came. And wow. No the rest of the night. Now, if they do come, for the youngsters listening to the podcast, just keep staying in the section. Fight for your life because the right. other sees you and he's going to say, get out of here. And he's going to tell you to get up and leave. And when he when he turns his back, you got to find the empty seat yep. or find a way to come back there. Because once you get out of that section, you're not going to come back. You'll be wandering and then the usher catches you wandering. Yep. I, yep. I, treat, it, I treat going to concerts like the Hunger Games. I like to just fight. <laughs> That's to great. I like to fight to get to the front. And sometimes, you know, other times I've seen my friends get really uncomfortable and nervous. Like, oh, JT and Bobby, they want to go to the front row. Oh, my God, we're going to stay back here. And I look at him, I go. Just have fun. Follow us for a few minutes. Oh, my God. Yes. We have these two seats here. And a lot of guys go, no. No, no I, I, it's, it's so, so I mean, that's it's so it's like eat or be eaten when it comes to getting right? in front of concerts. And it's so funny who gets nervous. about what's going to be nervous about? They can only catch you, not arrest you. They're not going to you're not going to get a death sentence. <laughs> They're not going to kick you out of the arena. They're just going to say, where do you belong? You know, my two sons who are 19 and 17. I don't know. I know it hasn't happened yet. But it should because it happened to me at their age. There's a point when you go to a concert and you mm. now it's all on apps, right? So your ticket's on your yep. phone. We went. It was a paper ticket. So you would get your ticket stub and you'd have another buddy and you just pass one back. Yep. So as long as you had two, one guy would go with the other two and bring them back and bring them back. And you keep bringing people up front. And then what happened in the old days before the pandemic was you didn't have to sit down once the concert started. So if you could hold on. One more quick story. There was a legendary yeah. rush show I saw at Radio City Music Hall. And me and my buddy Jimmy B got down to the second or third row. And we were nervous as all hell. And the lights were on. The lights were on. And, oh, my God, people were sitting down and ready to go. And all of a sudden, boom, the lights go down. And the roar was so enormous. Everybody exploded. And then everybody left their seat. Yep. store forward and stood the whole show. So you just got to make it until the show starts. Uh, yeah, right. And that's it's one of the keys. And uh, yeah, I'm Rolling Stones. I did the same thing that you did. I, I was not going to go to a Rolling Stones concert and sit in the back. No, you can't. I, you, you, you can't go. Yeah, no, you can't. And so every time I've seen the Rolling Stones twice, Rich Stadium, Buffalo, New York, once Carrier Dome, Syracuse. And the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. That Buffalo show was one of the greatest Stones shows of all time. Today, to this day, I got a lot of Buffalo friends. It's one of those oh, shows that held about uh, eighty thousand. Yeah, like yeah. Half a people that say they were there, all in Buffalo. Right. It's like that's the that's the show. And if you go yeah. back and see that set list, you'll be amazed. I rarely get angry. I get angry over conspiracy theorists. And let yes. me explain. I get it. I, I am a New Yorker, so if you say anything negative about 9-11, I lost a fraternity brother, um, James Joseph Kelly, 
who was at the top of Cantor Fitzgerald, never made it out, picked up the phone, called his wife and several newborn daughters, young daughters, to say goodbye. Think of that. Think of that. Let that sink in for a second. Planes come in underneath him. He knows no way out. He's going to die. If anybody makes a conspiracy theory about 9-11, I'll take them outside, bigger or smaller, and I'd go, I'd go to the death. I get so upset. Now we got this wacko, wacko congresswoman who's chasing down young men on Capitol Hill saying the school shooting that you were at right in front of you where your friends died, you're a coward. You're a coward. And once again, we're in a new political cycle and we got psychos on both sides of the aisle. Mm. And that's what's dominating cable news. Yeah. And you hate to see that. I'm just so Are you kidding me. I so it's a two thing. Like you mentioned, I knew the 9-11 was going to really upset you. And you have children the same age that she was picking on as a grown adult, a child that had gone through trauma and no child should ever have to go through trauma. Being a teenager is traumatic enough. And to pick on one who is just trying to be an activist after having seen parts of his schoolmates and you know on the ground uh, is one of the most upsetting things you can think of. You can't imagine an adult would ever pick on a child who's a social Marjorie activist. Taylor Green from Georgia, a congresswoman is a conspiracy theorist, and I didn't know about it at this level. I know, I, yeah. Now, and we have a new president who I didn't vote for, but I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting yeah. for him to do great things. We're, we've always had that in common. We've always rooted yeah. for the, the candidates, uh, the president, no matter who it was. Yeah. But when we see conspiracy theorists, because what happens is there's so many people now, like if you voted for whatever side, okay, people can pick apart everything about you. Right. You're uber liberal. You're crazy conservative. Right. Well, then when you see someone like this and other conspiracy theorists and the people that support that party or the opposite party start talking about the redeeming qualities of her defending the I, indefensible, I, I sit there and I go, you're now you're lost. Now you became politically unhinged and you can't even see the wart on your nose and understand what's happening here. And what I don't understand is when regular people do it. Uh, you're not in office. I'm not in office. We, all I think with politics. And the, one thing that we always had a lot of fun with was even talking about politics or sports when we disagreed is also laughing at our own opinions. Who says we're right? And then we'll laugh and move on. And the same thing with politics. You can laugh about how wrong you are or how cockamamie your theory of how the world should work is because you're not a politician. If you're not a politician, have a sense of humor about whatever political philosophy you have or opinions you have. Because who says who says it's right? You know, it's not World Wrestling Federation. You don't have to be right and beat your opponent senseless. Talk and laugh about politics and just like in an Irish family, then pass the mashed potatoes. Police officer Brian Sicknick, who's a Capitol Police officer, died after he was initially yep. injured with the fire extinguisher and he died during the insurgency. Imagine, you know, everybody who went to the rally, no problem with anybody. Anybody who goes to any rally peacefully, I never have a problem. Why would I? If you were dumb enough to go into that building during an insurgency and a police officer died and his remains, his ashes are in the middle of the rotunda of the Capitol and there are people, heads of state coming to pay tribute to this gentleman and you're sitting back home trying to scrub your Facebook page because you were there and you threw a chair through a window to break a window and climb through and be a part of an insurgency. We're still seeing this every night on the news. 
it's very concerning to me still. Yeah, still seeing even new videos that come out. Yeah, it, because the way that I can't imagine rolling out of bed. It, it, why would you want to roll out of bed? Like you were talking about how sometimes you pay Facebook scrolls or turning on any TV news network that's going to upset you or politics. Why do you want to be upset every day about politics when there's a whole life? We have one life to live. And yeah, Brian Sicknick, he he's lying in state in the Capitol. It started 930 in the morning on Tuesday and it ends tonight at midnight, uh, East Coast time. And it's just so bizarre, too, that most of the people who were a part of the insurgency were pro-police. And then they said an anti-Black Lives Matter and they killed police in the process. It's uh, a really ironic, crazy time that we're living in. People say politics has never been so crazy, but remember, we also maybe this politics has never been so exposed. We've never had so much exposure to it. And a lot of times, fringe people with uh, crazy, whacked out conspiracy theories are easy. It's easier for them to get a hold of each other now. You used to have to get newsletters and had gone to special bookstores, right, to get the newsletter. Now, it takes you a few clicks. We're ready to go to your phone calls for John Dean, Kunkel, Ohio. Hello. Rochester, New York. Hello. Oh, Mary King. God. I know we haven't talked and and we we oh, I know how I'm important so King was in your life and how much joy he brought to you. You always talked about not believing the sports casters who said they grew up with that transistor radio under yeah, their covers. They're, lying. they're all but, from Syracuse. They all claim when they went to Syracuse, they all went to bed yeah. with a transistor radio under their pillow. I call bullshit. I won a transistor radio. It used to May used to be National Radio Month, and the big weenie, W-E-N-Y Elmira, would give away three transistor radios a day. And it was so much fun. They would hide them throughout the city of Elmira, and they give you four hints. The fourth hint was just where it was. But the first hint would be like Ma Bell. And the second hint would be, and it'd be like hidden in a phone booth in front of Elmira Free Academy where Ernie Davis used to run the football. And that's where I found my transistor radio. And I listened to that transistor radio, but I wasn't listening to play-by-play guys dreaming of being a sportscaster like the phonies you talk about. I listened to the disc jockeys and loved the guys on the radio. And then along came Larry King. And I was a late night talk show TV guy. I liked watching Johnny Carson and Tom Snyder and the weekend talk shows and everything. And I was up late as a kid ever since puberty. And even before puberty, uh, that, that was with television, with radio, listening to the great disc jockeys and Larry King, who would come on all night. Los Angeles. Hello, Elmira, New York. I always wanted to hear my own hometown. I would call in every once in a while. And it was, he was so good. And he would, uh, he, people would call in and say, Larry, I'd like to get, I'd like to get in the radio business. How do I do it? What do I do once I get into it? He would give people this great radio advice. And the radio advice that I took from Larry was, I wasn't one of the people that called and asked, but I was the, um, I was listening very closely to everything he said. And and, and he said, make your act yourself and yourself, your act. And it was just great advice. Be yourself. If you got a big personality, that'll work as long as you're yourself. I just find it fascinating how late in life he got into radio 
and then he got into television. Well, the, 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 he really blew up. Uh, he, he was in Miami when he was Miami. younger, but but you're right. When when he was really got it was you know Ted Turner heard him on the radio and put him on TV in his fifties. Nineteen seventy one, he got into radio. Nineteen seventy one, and he was born Larry King. Check this out if you want to look at this. He was thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. Right? So talk about a late bloomer, a guy who. I don't want to say he had a shady pass. His mugshot is pretty popular. If you well, yeah, that was some some betting stuff. But yeah. you got you got that date wrong, the nineteen seventy one. Uh, that might have been syndication. But yeah, he, he, that's he, what he syndication. Oh yeah, because he had a talk show on WIOD Miami at the Surfside Six. It was on a boat, and he would just sit there and interview people. And he got to know Miami was big with Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason had his TV show out of Miami. And he got to interview Frank. Jackie Gleason brought in Frank Sinatra one night. And so he would he was the star of radio when radio had stars in Miami. But right. He became nationally syndicated in the 70s and and didn't really become as big a deal on television to the 90s. And he was at CNN, but really blew up and became a a cultural icon and then cartoons and everything. The one thing about when he was on the radio and this is always when people say ask for advice on how to be a good talk show host. You got to be interested in everything. You have to be curious. Even if you're doing sports, something's going to come along and you're going to have to talk about other, a tsunami or sex change stuff that we had to deal with without getting yourself fired. And Larry was interested in everything. He, you know how I learned about Wayne Gretzky, Larry King. He loved the Washington capitals. And he was fascinated by what the, he was. He said, this guy's coming, Wayne Gretzky. And he loved sports, entertainment, politics. He was interested in everything. And that's what made him so good. And very unique with all the wives and the way he loved to go to Dodger games. And he was also a character. He was a character, a radio television right. character. And just want to mention one thing. My golf buddy who I play golf with out here, Frankie Sidoris, his son is a great young guitar player who's now playing with Wolfgang Van Halen's new band. Oh, wow. And Frank, Frank Jr. plays also with Slash. And Frank and I talk all the time about radio. He's a really good friend of mine. He's good friends with Alice Cooper. And he is fascinated by Phil Henry. And he okay. still listens to Phil Henry to this day. And we worked at the same company with Phil Hendry yep. from the radio networks. And I went into a studio once to see his performance, to see his art. And it was one of the one things I probably shouldn't have done because I'm just a talk show host that runs a fast paced sports talk show. Right. I don't have the skill of Phil Henry. And Frankie keeps talking about him to this day. And he's still out there the way an icon should be. Well, let's tell people who it is. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell the story better with Phil Henry, but still guys who are still up there, still creating something magical, theater of the mind. And I give Larry, Larry broke that door open along with Art Bell and late night radio in the 70s and 80s that opened the door for us. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just so good. And Phil Henry is amazing for this reason, because so many people aren't in on it. He will host a talk show where he interviews these outrageous guests, but he is also the guests, all the guests. And uh, he is, there were times when he was on KFI in Los Angeles where he would make me laugh so hard. I had to get out of the fast lane and slow down because I was seeing stars. 
and I didn't want to faint while I was driving the car at 70. And he would, you know, he would interview. He had this, one of his favorite guests was Margaret. And one time Margaret, Margaret came on and she was selling uh, lingerie to teenage girls. And so, of course, all the callers are getting really upset. And she said, well, we don't get into anything. <laughs> this is where I almost fell and drove off the road. We don't we don't really get into the crotchless panties until they're 14. <laughs> this is just to make all the listeners crazy because the listeners don't know it's all fake. And and for those. And so I just remember having to get uh, I'm on the Santa Monica freeway in the fast lane. I got to pull over to the slow lane. Because I'm seeing stars because I'm laughing so hard at Phil Henry. Yeah. Larry King tying it into Phil Henry and oh. David Hall and the people that we met throughout our lives. And Andrew Ashwood, my mentor and your good friend and a guy who got me into the business in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of old radio people were saying goodbye to. I wouldn't know you without David G. Hall, one of the legendary program directors and consultants in radio who put who took me off to being a sports anchor and made me a talk show host at Extra Sports 1150. I was one of the newer people there. He knew how hard I was working at my craft, because even at the competition, when I was an FM talk show host, I knew he was a legendary mm -hmm. uh, radio programmer. And I reached out to him and had him critique my tapes, even though I was on the competition. So he knew how hard I was working at my craft, even as a competitor, and uh, put me out with the Looney and Dave show about when he took over as a program director. And a lot of times, too, if you're, you know, be friends, your bosses sometimes, he might have been my same age or younger. But remember, they're people too, take an interest in their lives. They're, you know, they're not, don't, don't make them the enemy. And sometimes, if uh, in, that, in that case, he wasn't even my boss, then he became my boss. And he wasn't really from sports, but he was a great programmer. He needed an ally. And so he you know, gave me a promotion and knew I would do nothing but talk him up, probably. And it worked. And I did. Oh, those days are over. And it's not golden year syndrome. Those days are over. I work for a company now with a great programmer and one of the last few ones left who's been doing this a long time. And when you look back at youngsters now or anybody in their 20s or 30s who want to get into radio, I worry for them. I worry for them because there aren't any programmers and the program, the great program directors that I respect are the ones who cut their teeth in radio. You got to be able right. to go to a meeting and not everybody. This doesn't go for everybody. This is right. broadcasting. We're making a broad generalization. I'm making yep. a broad generalization. But when you sit in a, in a room with a program director who's failed or a program director who never had a radio show or a program director who's now a consultant because he can't get a program job or whoever he is. And, you know, he never did the work you did or we did and the grind I'm not saying that there could be an outlier and someone becomes the best program director in the world. Uh, others are just that uniquely talented. I think of Bruce Gilbert. I don't know his entire backstory, but one of the sharpest human beings I've ever met ever in any room is Bruce Gilbert. He, he started as a program director in Binghamton, New York. And he was one of the, uh, the sharpest guys in a room I've ever yep. met. He could move the needle just talking to him. Mark Chernoff just retired, announced his retirement this week. The icon from WFAN, built WFAN, Mike and the Mad Dog, all of that. And there's a few. And we Don't forget the guys. original Dr. Phil, Phil Lucasio from Y94 in Syracuse. Love him. But when it comes to that now, good luck being some kid in their 20s coming out of college because the guy you're sitting across from in that meeting a doesn't have the chops. B's never done it before. 
he's getting pressure to find digital revenue, mm-hmm. not radio revenue and sales. And hey, go pound, get out there and walk the pavement and try to bring in advertisers and do something they've been doing since the 30s and 40s. Now it's about your digital hot clicks. And it's a shame. That- and don't forget getting the guy from Channel 5, TV people who aren't good talk show hosts, who aren't good on the radio, but they're on TV for some reason. People, even guys who've done nothing but radio, they love those goddamn putting goddamn TV people on the radio who aren't very good. Let me tell you the dirtiest little radio secret that's happening now is that some PDs and some people want clicks more than good radio. Yeah. They don't care about sales. They don't care about ratings, blah, blah, blah. They want to see clicks. There are program directors who stare at Twitter all day and retweet stuff. Can you believe that no one's figured these people out, like their corporate bosses and the heads of these companies don't go, whoa, 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 I've seen you do 21 retweets today. All you're doing today is retweeting sports stories or whatever. They want racial tension, anything to do with controversy and tweets or hot clicks. And literally, I know a guy who's told his host, try to be wrong more often. Fact, not fiction. Wow. It's better for business. We'll get more clicks, we'll get more downloads, and more people will know you. Imagine if that's the direction you're getting. If you if you ever tweet something smart and clever, a joke, an analogy that not everyone's going to get, but it's brilliant, you'll get three likes. The less likes you get, usually the smarter your tweet is. Really. It's, 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 it's always that way. Our great friend Adam Hawk. From the Jim Rome show, our former producer, he had a tweet last night that you know that, that people He's didn't get. He's, yeah, He's did really you see bad. it? No. Last I night, I, I, got, I want to read you last night. So we're going to find it right now. Last night's tweet, which was so, it was one of those tweets where, uh, you know, he just did it to be smart, but you know you're not going to get clicks. You know you're not going to get a lot of likes because it's too smart. Here it is. Is asking a question on Twitter just a super cheap and obvious way to get engagement numbers up? <laughs> oh, and so it's just deliciously clever without people even, you know, so you don't get as many likes because it's too deliciously clever and smart. My wife told me the other night indirectly, she said to me, she goes, I forgot if she said, do you have to or why do you tweet out your lineup every night on the show? Right. Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's <laughs> like uh, tonight, uh, tonight before the show, I thought I had the best lineup. That is great. All, like, say it again. Sports, in all the sports yeah. talk radio. So I tweeted it out before the podcast and I got in and it was like right before the show started Wednesday night on Mad Dog Sports Radio with fast paced Super Bowl talk. Guests include Hall of Fame legend Terry Bradshaw, Kyle Turley, Jared Allen, Joe Fortenbaugh, Carl Weathers, uh, Cousin Sal. Ken Rogers from NFL Network, the Al Davis 30 for 30. And you were right. Three retweets and two likes. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was smart enough to see, stop doing that. Like, why do you do that? And I'm like, you're right. Because I guess everybody in the industry wants to thank the guests that they have coming on by tweeting out the guests who are coming on so you can at least promote the guest. Like if Carl Weathers is coming on and he has a Twitter feed yeah. and Cousin Sal is promoting a book, the least I can do is say they're coming up on the broadcast. That's right. And that's, see, you're looking at it too maturely. Uh, Twitter is high school. It's it's, it's, oh, it's totally it high school. It's high school. And that's why, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, who wants to go through high school again? You finally get out of high school. 
and you go off to college and whatever really made you unpopular in high school now makes you popular in college. You're a loud girl or you're a, or you're a gay or you're whatever, or, or, or you lived in a small town. People made fun of your ethnicity or race. You go away to college and no one cares, right? Then Twitter comes out. <laughs> Twitter comes out and people are mocking you for stuff that you used to get crap for in high school. Your weight, your looks, your sexuality, your race, your ethnicity is now back on the table. When it was it kind of got off the table in high school and as everyone matured around you through your 30s and 40s, no one cared anymore about stuff like that. And now people are taking shots at everything that they took shots at you when you were 15. You know, when you're in their 30s and 40s and 50s, in a lot of ways, who needs that? Time for our Super Bowl picks. Here we go. One of the greatest Super Bowls of all time on paper. What yep. I mean by that is the greatest Super Bowl of all time on paper is different from the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Right. I'm talking about the hype. A lot of Super Bowls are not great. But recently, in the last 20 years, we've had some iconic. Had some really good Super Bowls. It was, it was legendary for being bad. And then all of a sudden, we thought that the Arizona Cardinals, who would think the Arizona Cardinals would be in the greatest Super Bowl ever played in the Pittsburgh Steelers? And then it was one after another, after another, after another. Antonio Holmes catch the toe tap. Oh. 30 years ago, Whitney Houston singing the anthem, the 30-year anniversary, had an impact on my life, a wide right. But here's the deal. We talk a lot about Mount Rushmore's and legacies. So I'm going back. This is Super Bowl 55, my age. I'm the age of the Super Bowl. So whenever I see the Super Bowl, I go back to Super Bowl one. It was the Lombardi Packers that were great before that when they didn't call it the Super Bowl, but they won. It was the right. NFL championship. So they came into the Super Bowl as a dynasty and won Super Bowl one and two. My friend Fred Bolitnikoff played in Super Bowl two and lost. Wow. Fred Bolitnikoff played in nine nine championship games. Whoa. Think of that. AFL or AFC championship games. His record was two and seven, two and seven. He won one Super Bowl, Super Bowl 11. He played in Super Bowl two. And then all all the games that he played from Super Bowl two to 11. Follow me here. Super Bowl three. They lost to the Jets who won. My, uh, the Jets. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl four. they beat Kansas City both times that year. Beat them both times in the regular season. Who won Super Bowl four? Hank Stram matriculating the ball. Kansas mm-hmm. City. The ma- Immaculate Reception. Who won the Super Bowl? Oh, Pittsburgh went on to win. You get my point. Yeah. So you might go to a lot of Super Bowls. You might go to Dan Marino once and never go back. So nothing will top Super Bowl three because that was the merger. After Lombardi won the first two and the AFL looked like they were the bad league and they couldn't win. They're 16-point underdogs. He wins. You can never touch that off the Mount Rushmore. What, the Jets and Joe Namath and the Jets? Yes, you can never take that off the four. Mount Rushmore has four points. Oh, okay. And that's because the the seminal moment that it was. Seminal moment. He guaranteed it. All that. You can't move that. So now we go through the Montana Super Bowls. Two were against Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, let's not forget that. Oh, Dallas won two against Buffalo. Uh, they're three, right? So, right. you know, you look at the Giants and Eli, all those. That was pretty cool. The Eli games were pretty fun. The catch, the Tyree. So this Super Bowl on paper has got to break into the all-time hype Super Bowls other than the pandemic. Mahomes is the only player alive, alive that can catch Brady. Fact, not fiction. He's the only guy who can win six or seven and beat Brady in one of those six or seven when Brady's long gone. If he loses it, 
He probably can't catch Brady, even if he wins five or six. And for Brady, Tom, it's a Disney movie. He's back again. Well, I've always said, you know, and, you know, I, I tweeted out this week that because uh, I had to do a mea culpa. I was always cheering against and picking against Floyd Mayweather. Remember the bums that Floyd Mayweather would fight, but I'd always pick bums. them. <laughs> I, would, I would pick them to win because I just I was I would go with my heart for fun. And Floyd Mayweather, it, even if they weren't bums, he made them look like bums and he made me look like one, too. It was a foolish pleasure for me to pick against Floyd Mayweather time after time after again. He made the fool out of me. It was foolish pleasure over the years to pick against Tom Brady. There were a lot of people, including Adam Benatari and Pete Carroll and the Atlanta Falcons, who did Tom Brady a lot of favors uh, <laughs> over the years. By to, to, But this is where you got to judge him. Remember the year the Peyton Manning didn't play. Mm-hmm. And what happened to the Indianapolis Colts when they didn't have him? I said he should have been the MVP, even though he had a brace around his neck. Well, what was the difference? And here, here this is coming from the Tom Brady hater. What was the difference between the New England Patriots with Tom Brady and without him? Well, would, Tom, the, would the Patriots have been in the playoffs this year if they had him? Oh, you got to say yes. Yeah, 100%. Brady, easily. They were a good Patriots. And he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Year. Of all teams to choose, I thought the Buccaneers, they're the, they're the Clippers of the, uh, the of the East Coast. And he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And where are they right now? Tampa Bay. So before we make our pick, uh, okay. Tampa Bay and the way they played this year, they weren't great all the time. They struggled early. Bruce Arians got into it with Brady. First game, Brady throws a pick six against New Orleans. He loses the rematch. Can't beat New Orleans. That's in the back of everyone's mind. He's got to go through Lambeau Field and Aaron Rodgers. This roster is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brady, the greatest player of all time. Oh, Leonard Fournette. Look at He's his age. So good. He's young. He's just coming. He's just Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Tristan Wirfs, who should be the rookie of the year. That their their first round right tackle, who's in They got a right tackle for the for a decade. Who's going to go to the Hall of Fame? He's that good. And then on the defense, Indomitian Sue, uh, Vita Vey, Jason Pierre-Paul, Devin White, and Levante David. Two of my favorite, favorite linebackers in the league. Shaq Barrett, who's unbelievable, and maybe the best young, strong safety in the league, Antoine Winfield Jr. That's their roster. And Kansas City's missing four of their starting offensive linemen. Four out of five. Eric Fisher went down with the torn Achilles. They had an offensive lineman who left to go be a frontline worker, a doctor. They lost Mitchell Swartz, and they're going to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think that they might just because they've got they're they never lose on the road. Yeah, they're good. They don't lose on the road since Patrick Mahomes took over as a quarterback. The four times that they lost, it's a great statistic today. The four times that they shouldn't even have lost, they scored 39 points in all four of those games. So so they just lost because the other team scored 40. And that's uh, obviously what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to do. But it is amazing to take a look at how about Indomitian and so. Right. Are they there because of Tom Brady or are they there because of him? He goes to the Rams, they go to the Super Bowl. He goes to the Bucks, they go to the Super Bowl. He's uh, he's not a popular guy to like, although in person he's really a great person. But he's like Vontes Burpick or those other, uh, you know, there's other guys who just give 110% until four seconds after the whistle blows. 
And so he's got a bad rap, but God, you want him on your team. Line opens up Kansas City minus three and a half total 57 and a half. I've talked to several Vegas insiders this week. They told me a couple of very unique things. First off, a lot of the sharps, the professionals wanted to get back to three and a half again. So Mm -hmm. the sharps are sitting on the sideline. The line has moved to minus three. Right. right. Usually you get three for playing at home. If there's a non-pandemic, this is a home game for Tampa Bay. So that means that Kansas City is kind of like a six-point favorite. Yeah, it, That's how good they are on the road. Tampa Bay comes in playing well, beating Rodgers on the road. Kansas City usually struggles in the playoffs. They buried Buffalo, a good mm-hmm. team. So we're not talking about needing a fourth-quarter comeback. Total on the game opened up 57.5. It's now down to 56. A lot of sharp bettors are going to wait till Super Bowl Saturday or Sunday and then pound it and go over the total. So that look for the total, which is at 56, to get up to 57 or 57 and a half. Tom Looney, your Super Bowl pick, it's Kansas City minus three in Super Bowl 55. Who do you have? Well, if my memory serves me correctly, I almost total instant recall. Brady and Mahomes have faced off four times. The final score... Patrick Mahomes, 121, Tom Brady, 120. When it comes to total points, they're, wow. tie, they're tied 2-2. How about that? I had to head straight up. So it's a push. What's interesting to note here, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs over the course of the curly-haired guy's career, Patrick Mahomes, older brother of Jackson Mahomes, Patrick, 21-4 and four on the road. Those four losses, as I mentioned, the, the Chiefs averaged 39 points a game. And the 2020 season alone, the Chiefs went 8-0 on the road, averaged 32 points a game. Uh, here's where you're saying, how could you bet against Tampa Bay? Well, if you want to stop Mahomes and the Chiefs, at least on offense, you have to be able to stop the pass, which isn't great news for the Buccaneers because their defense has struggled against, uh, with one thing this year. They've struggled stopping the pass. If pressuring Patrick Mahomes doesn't work, then well, not pressuring him doesn't work. So what do you do? How do you beat him? Well, Buccaneers defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, isn't going to be able to figure that out, JT. So you see where I'm going here. Bowles will be moving his bowels and his khakis when Patrick Mahomes is done with him. Bowles will be moving in his bowels when, when his, in his khakis when Patrick Mahomes is done with him. The former head coach, Todd Bowles, who did an unbelievable job before the Jets ran him out of town. But go ahead. Uh, okay. Let's take your, pick. your final score, Kansas City 35, Tampa Bay 31. Your final. I'm still it's still my foolish pleasure to pick against Tom Brady. Kansas City wins and they cover the spread. Yes, they will. All right, time for my pick, and here we go. Uh, To me, it feels like a Disney movie. Why? Why close your eyes unless you're driving with Tom Brady, go to a team that's never been really famous, Mm -hmm. and then host the Super Bowl. Host the Super Bowl in his home stadium. Never never happened before in NFL history. He's never looked better. He had an unbelievable year. But Kansas City, who I see twice a year, play the Raiders, and the Raiders almost beat him twice. They beat him in Kansas City, and they played a great game. Mm-hmm. I talked to John Gruden about it this week, and he talked about the blueprint of how, how to beat him. Two deep scores over the top. Nelson Aguilar, 59-yard touchdown. Henry Ruggs, the second of uh, the third, uh, a, a 72-yard touchdown. And the Raiders ran the clock out, ran the clock out with four minutes to go to win the game. Kansas City couldn't get the ball back and win. I look at Brady. 
over the top? Can he make a long pass or two? Absolutely. Yep. Antonio Brown, Godwin, Evans will get deep. Leonard Fournette, can he run the clock out? Yes. The reason Tampa Bay impresses me, they finally have the linebackers that I've talked about who can put their hands on Travis Kelsey, my biggest pet peeve in all of football. Why let Patrick Kelsey run like a doe in the forest and never <laughs> put a body on him and always let him have unobstructed routes? These guys are badasses. They're going to put their hands on Kelsey at the line of scrimmage and punch him in the mouth and even get a 15-yard flag for hitting him early. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is a better player. He's younger. The coach is better in Andy Reid. Everything shapes up for Kansas City, and they're trying to build a dynasty and go back-to-back, and they know how big that is. You lose out on a dynasty, you might never come back again. My Super Bowl pick, and once again, this is my upset special! Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers! I don't root for Brady. Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, 28. Kansas City, 26. Brady wins the Super Bowl and hoists the Lombardi in front of the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.